RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. Are you on the RCR mailing list? Never miss a beat of the news and hard-hitting stories you've come to know and love. Stay in the loop. Visit realitycheck.radio forward slash email. Casey Costello is the Minister of Customs, Minister for Seniors, Associate Minister of Health, Associate Minister of Immigration and Associate Minister of Police. She's a New Zealand First Cabinet member and I think she has actually sat um, already around the Cabinet table. That was yesterday. She joins us this morning on Reality Check Radio again. Casey, welcome back. Thank you very much, Paul. Congratulations. Yeah, it's um, been a whirlwind week, but it's, it's amazing. Yeah. Um, last time we spoke to you, it was uh, just coming up to the Port Waikato by-election. And, um, okay, um, a few thousand votes. I didn't see the final total, but uh, um, Andrew Bailey romped away with that. But you're... You're still in, so um, that really didn't change that. What's it like to sit at that cabinet table, albeit, you know, it's early days and, you know, you're just sort of kicking it off? It's, the enormity is amazing. It, it, like when we got sworn in yesterday, at, um, the day before at um, Government House, it was, I, you know, I'm not an emotional person, but I got quite sort of, teary-eyed over the whole thing, you know, that it's just such a, you know, an experience that I never thought that would befall me. And the same thing today when you sort of walk into that room and um, and it's not like because I, I used to run security here, so it wasn't like I hadn't seen the inside yeah. of the room or anything That's like that. Right. Yeah. But to walk in there and, and um, you yeah, take it all in and um, it just, it's it's been um, massive, massive, massive learning curve so much to read and learn and take up very quickly, but um, we'll get there. And what's the feeling like with everyone, three parties in there, and, um, you know, things have been said in the past, and we all know about, um, you know, what people have said, et cetera. What's the feeling like? The single focus around um, let's get to work, it's just amazing, just, you know, the, the... um, you know, the shared portfolios I've got, the, the ministers um, and, you know, as an associate, you know, the ministers coming in sort of um, straight away, like straight into it, like just um, big things to get done. We've got to deliver. This isn't about rhetoric. This is about, you know, getting stuff done. And I just, I've been so impressed. I, I've been telling a story that I was being sworn in, um, sitting across the table in Government House, and I started to get a coughing fit, like I thought. <laughs> I to do my oath. This is terrible. I'm going to have to give, like, and um, Nicole McKee was sitting across from me, and she threw me a um, cough lozenger. To, and, I mean, if it hadn't been for that, I probably wouldn't have been able to say my oath. So, you know, <laughs> okay. we're all going to just get in and stuck in. It's great. Um, there's been um, some interesting reporting just in the last few days. I don't know if you've caught up with all of it. Um, what do you make of, 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 well, how people are, are taking this new government? What, what's your sense? There's the media, there's the public. You know, um, what are you picking up on? The, the public response is, and I, I suppose I had the luxury because I was still campaigning on the Friday when the, the um, coalition was announced. The response was astounding because, you know, I was still out around the streets and the, there was a real positive 
you know, like that, oh, I don't have to leave the country kind of thing. You know, there was a real sense of hope and um, a positive energy. And, and I think that's reflecting still in, in, the, in the stuff I'm seeing and the correspondence I'm receiving. Um, but just that there's a, there is a real shift. Like this isn't just about a, a change of politicians filling the seat. This is about a change of government that's going to you know, move things around. So I really you'll, like that. You'll be getting your briefings and everything, I guess. If maybe you've had some already or there's a whole lot to come. Um, are you going to be interested to sort of assess the the bureaucratic position or attitude towards you and this new government? Because there is a sense that, you know, the, the bureaucracy was kind of on the side of the previous administration. Yeah, I, but I, I suppose I'd, I'd challenge that, that feeling is that, you know, I mean, when you take over a new business, um, the staff worked for the previous boss because that's what the boss wanted. Um, and, you know, a new boss comes in and, and you you deliver what they want. I think it's about, you know, creating clear expectations, accountability, um, clear communication. I think that there's – I don't think anyone's in their role because they want to do bad things for New Zealand. I, I, I think there's – everybody's got a um, – a desire to deliver good stuff, otherwise they wouldn't be working in the public service. But there's uh, entrenched ideologies, right? That's, I guess, what I'm... Yeah, yeah, and no, that, that's where you set the standards and you set um, the communication. I mean, I've, you know, I mean, we've all had that experience where you go into organisations and this is how we've always done things. Um, well, you know, you, you, you create that clear direction. I think, I think it's all... Um, you know, you get on board or you get off board, but I think I think we've got I think we've got the right people to really um, get some stuff done. So, in in terms of the um, issues uh, over the line from New Zealand First, really specifically um, in this uh, coalition agreement, I think a lot of our listeners were surprised at the sweeping nature of it. It was like uh, kind of a wish list. That, that was sort of granted by the fairy godmother. I don't know. But um, I, I'm assuming that some of that was hard negotiation, hard won. For what you saw of that process, how hard was it to get some of those those things across, like, you know, halting or, or reserving our move on WHO international health regulations, uh, refocusing curriculum, taking uh, gender, et cetera, out of, schools ending the vaccine mandates because remember uh, christopher luxon saying no there would be no compensation he said it in quite a mean way actually maybe he regrets that there's also the inquiry and you'll be involved and in, i i guess in an overseeing sort of way with your portfolios that you've got uh, all those things how hard was it to get them i think one of the big jobs we had was when we went through all of our different manifestos and looked at where there was commonality um, and that that was the part that I, I think we saw the real leverage around um, getting some, you know, here's our common ground. How much more is it to give us this, you know, that that kind of thing? And, you know, how much, how does it impact? But also if you look, if you read the agreements, there's also this underlying understanding that each of the parties still need to be seen to be delivering for the people that voted them. So right. enough, 
in that to say, well, we'll support what you want to achieve, you support what we want to achieve, and as long as there's no significant clashes, and I think that was where we had the great, um, um, yeah, because, you know, Winston's gone through this process, he understands what's what what needs to be um, done in a coalition agreement to make it clear and to make us move forward. Um, but the yeah, it, it was a it was a difficult process. But I think when you started from the point of where where have we got common ground, we were able to move forward pretty well. Probably the top one for our audience would be this wide ranging inquiry. Yeah, um, I don't want to get hung up on that all the time, but that is the biggie. And I got to say, personally for me, it's a biggie. And there's a little bit of concern that it, there may be some constraints or the the wording is in in such a way that some things are excluded, um, other things maybe not. I don't know. Can you reassure our audience that that, that will be a full, wide-ranging, real inquiry and not just a kind of window-dressing exercise, which seemed to be implied by the uh, previous uh, governments set up with limited uh, terms of reference, kind of designed not to get to accountability issues. So what do you think about that? Even Shane Reshi was, um, you know, to his credit, was was being interviewed this morning on YT News and talked about the fact that even National acknowledged early on that the parameters were too narrow and those, um, and, and if you do this, it has to be on the basis that you want to learn something. And the more narrow you make it, you're not going to learn anything and you're not going to ensure that mistakes aren't made again. So my, you know, I'm, I'm, my background as an investigator, that's, you know, I'm, I'm a, a detective and that was why I, I think it's interesting that you, if you approach it on the basis that we want to find out the truth, what, what actually happened, get to the bottom of it and, and actually get some learnings out of this. Otherwise, the whole thing will be worth nothing. So I'm, I'm committed to that. I want to make sure that we know um, everything we need to know to, to you know, find out where do we go to from here. How, how, how do we make sure that we've, we've actually gained some knowledge and some expertise um, through what happened and we're not just, you know, um, brushing it all under the carpet and pretend let's move on and, and don't look here anymore. Um, I think we've got to pull it apart. And that includes harm, right? Potential harm. It's got yeah. to include that, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and it, because then, you know, we're not learning. We're not, we're not gaining any knowledge. If we, if we say this is out, outside of the scope, then, you know, that, that, that's irrelevant. So I, 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 I'm, I'm satisfied with the way it's worded that we have enough flexibility to do what needs to be done. Talking to Rodney Hyde the other day, and he's got a bit of experience. He said, if you haven't really um, uh, found your stride by the beginning of February, there's, there's going to be problems. Um, and, and, you know, you've got to hit the ground running, is what he was saying, in his experience. And he's kind of been in this situation before. Do you think that, and is that possible, to get up to speed that quick and get the energy in place to start next year and and go, you know? Well, I think even sooner than that, you know, we've we've got commitments to a 100-day plan um, to get that moving and underway. Um, that's, you know, straight out of the straps. We're not, you know, there's no, um, there's no, 
there's no point in going into this slowly and, and because we've had that. We've had enough talking about and commentating on the problems. Um, we need to, to hit the ground running and that's what we've got to manage um, you know, prioritising our workload, what are, what are the things that we can get off the ground straight away um, and that's that kind of 100-day plan, the big tick items that we can get because we all want to say, you know, we all campaigned on getting stuff done. So all of us collectively are committed to getting stuff done. There's been some quite dramatic stuff said. I think uh, Tuku Morgan was on television saying you burned down the fuddy. We've heard uh, Woody Jackson sort of say that they're, you know, I don't know, maybe use the word war, something like that. There's going to be some issues, um, some tension there. Do you think um, there is going to be, or is that just sort of like hot air? Because that's a concern for people. Well, they, I, I think it's hot air because the 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 concerns that affect Māori affect everyone that you know it's the same things we've, we've you know it's been told Māori wants affordable homes we want first world wages we want access to good education and um, effective health systems we all want it so let's deliver those and then you 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 the the things that they're campaigning on the the victim narrative loses its impetus so I I think it's about not being distracted by this rhetoric of you know um, you know we're 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 going to be the people in your shoe and we're going to be annoying. We'll, we'll just get on and deliver good outcomes, and we'll get on and deliver um, you know protections for the people who are vulnerable and in need, and get the job done, and and let them worry about being the people in the shoe. Okay, I want to ask you about a couple of things because uh, we've been alerted to them. We had a. Um communication from the Free Speech Union regarding, and this was two days ago, a woman arrested for peaceful counter-protest, and they say New Zealand's police must protect the right to peaceful protest. This was a pro-Palestinian protest, Auckland's Queen Street, Saturday, and um, a peaceful counter-protester arrested for silently holding a sign. And uh, I won't go through all the details, but basically hustled off and, um, and arrested in the end just for having a sign, and uh, okay, um, it was a um, it, it's a controversial uh, issue. Then we also have been contacted by um, a guy this in this case who was also uh, arrested, um, and he was um, he had a, a pro-Israeli sign at uh, the uh, same event. It seems like the police um, are trying to shut down people's uh, freedom of expression, protest, whatever you want to call it. Um, and after what we saw at Parliament um, at um, uh, the protest there back in March 2022 and the heavy-handed nature of the policing there, there is concern that that there's a certain attitude in the New Zealand police and it's, and it's, and it's not very healthy. Does that concern you and with your um, associate police uh, portfolio? Will you be sort of trying to get your arms around, and I know you've got a history with the force, of where where that leadership is at and the culture of that organisation, given what we've been through and given what we're seeing in other countries too, the UK, Tommy Robinson, as an example, over the weekend, um, uh, removed because people were, were upset that he was there. I mean, it's sort of got to a new benchmark. So any comments to make about about that? 
Yeah, I, th- I think you've touched on the, the, the big issue is around the consistency of, of what, what is occurring. Um, and, you know, the, our right to protest, um, you know, it's, a, it's fundamental to our democracy. It's, it's the ability. And what I've seen is a real inconsistency in terms of how it's policed and how it's approached, what's allowed and what's not allowed. Um, the the neutrality of policing is what I'm concerned about in terms of how decisions are made, um, and that's that's what I'd be interested to know the answer to. I don't know the details of those incidents that you're talking about, but we've all seen those situations where I would want to understand how the operational directives are put forward in terms of how they respond and don't respond. Um, you know, we had the Albert Park issues with how the police didn't intervene. We've had um, police directed to intervene where, I, you know, that, that that would be a question. And now we've got these instances where I'm not sure, you know, without knowing the circumstance of what was going on or what the details of the charges were, I just think it's worthy of finding out how these operational decisions are made um, and under what legislation they're prioritising their response. Yeah, because it, it could be seen to be, you know, supporting one side and not the other or trying to micromanage people's everyday behaviour, mm. which is, and, you know, not and, not the role really, is it? Yeah, and fundamental, you know, the, the police oath is about, you know, preventing breaches of the peace, you know, upholding public order and enforcing the law um, in terms of you know criminal offending, and what we want to know is that where was the evidence that there was a breach of the peace, um, and that it was likely to. And you know the argument is that there's a likelihood that it could be escalating um, violence. But which side do you take on in terms of if there was violence against a silent protester, um, then the person who inflicts the violence on the silent protester is the offender, not the person silently protesting. Who triggered the behaviour or the response, yeah. yeah. So those are the decisions that, that I need to, you know, understand. And, you know, the police are like any other organisation. You will always have the human error factor, um, but the fact that it needs to be looked into and responses received and find out that we're um, still going to be upholding you know, law and order, but we're not, you know, preventing the ability for people to express their individual freedoms. So, yeah. And going with that, also um, the introduction of hate speech legislation is out, isn't it? And um, I think uh, Law Commission's work on hate speech legislation is stopping. And does that mean that the disinformation project is over and done? See you later. Goodbye. I'm, that's not an area that I've got a lot of expertise in, so it's not because it hasn't been one of my portfolios that I've been looking into, so I, I couldn't comment. I would assume that that would be what it means, but I've, um, yeah. I, I mean, you are aware of um, the Kate Hanna and co yeah. and the disinformation project and the um, opaque nature of the funding and so on and so forth. So um, I, I think that's an expectation of our listeners that that, that that would be over and done with. Yeah. And that's the stuff that, you know, we're kind of the devil's in the detail now in terms of working through where, where those responsibilities sit, um, how we're going to progress them and where's, where, where um, you know, where 
where we're going to real make make real impact and make sure that we are um, getting some changes that we desperately need to restore our freedom and our protect our democracy. And just uh, if it does come up, um, you know, the people have been injured by this vaccine. I'm pretty sure we can find that. Um, so there is, in, in terms of New Zealand First, I think Winston did say that there would be some sort of compensation regime. That's still yeah. in, in in your mind, if that yeah, and, and is a thing. was always along the fact that there was a need for an informed consent, and the evidence was that the consent wasn't informed um, in terms of those that were, um, and, and that's the stuff that what I hope to get out of this investigation is to um, understand that, you know, how, how did this consent um, get put together and what, what are we going to do about those um, situations? And, you know, like you say, actually confront those issues and, and confront harm and find out um, what we're going to do to make put things right. Okay, good to catch up with you. Um, I think you're in for a busy time, but you know that already. I don't need to tell you that. Um, there probably won't be enough hours in many of the days. So um, no, I um, yeah, I've, I've got a bag of lollies on my desk to try and keep the <laughs> barley sugars. <laughs> Just like the forty-hour famine. Okay, Casey Costello, new New Zealand First Cabinet Minister. It's great to be able to say that. Thanks for coming on and. And uh, hopefully we can catch up from time to time and we'll be all watching and listening with interest to see Thank how it all comes together, okay? Thanks, Paul. Rational discussion, common sense, open debate. RCR, Reality Check Radio with Paul Brennan.